You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, Episode 9. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapist Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. In this episode, I'm chatting with Christina Stock. Christina is a full-time mama and part-time music therapist. She graduated with her bachelor's degree in music with a concentration in ethnomusicology from the University of Texas at Austin in 2005 and her master's degree in music therapy from Texas Women's University in 2009. Christina has been a music therapist for a little over five years and has worked as a music therapy subcontractor in a pediatric hospital setting and currently works at an adult cancer center in Dallas. She is from New Braunfels, Texas, and considers herself a country mouse in the big city with her husband and two young children. Welcome to the podcast, Christina. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's dig in by giving us a little bit of background about your career and how you became a music therapist. Um, Okay. Well, um, I got my bachelor's degree at uh, UT in Austin, um, and they don't have a music therapy degree there. Um, I started out as a clarinet performance major and then realized really quickly that I did not want to be a clarinet performance major. And then um, the only other option at the time was to become a band director, and I did not want that either. So um, I had a cousin who was a a musician down there, and um, he let me work for him for a little bit, and I wanted to maybe do music business. And then I signed up for a music business class because UT was um, just going to start their recording and music business degree. And um, I wrote a paper on music therapy, and I cried when I wrote it. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, And we just kind of started doing research into – music therapy. And, um, my then boyfriend, now husband, uh, said, Oh my God, you should really do this and put together spreadsheets. Cause he's, he was a business major, um, <clears throat> spreadsheets on where I could get my music therapy degree and what it would take. And, um, that November was when the national conference was in Austin. So it was like the universe was aligning for me to go. Um, to go to that conference. My sister actually paid for me and said, Merry Christmas, happy birthday, paid for me to go to conference. And I walked in and I felt like I was at home. Like I saw some, you know, some musicians playing and I saw all the, uh, I went to all the music therapy, neuroscience things I could go to. And I was just, I was hooked. So, um, I graduated from UT in Austin with my bachelor's, um, in music with a mass with a um sorry bachelor's in music with a a concentration in ethnomusicology and then I um went to TWU um to do my master's equivalency degree. Oh my goodness, I just have to laugh because your story is so similar to mine. I had that <laughs> same experience where I was a performance major and oh. My sophomore year, I was like, okay, this is great, but what am I going to do with, you know, uh, a degree that 
says I'm really good at singing opera. And <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to wait for somebody in the Chicago Symphony to die before I could get like my dream job. Yeah, you know? like exactly. And you don't really think logistically about those things before you choose your major. It's just it kind of hits you as you get older and as you get further in, along in your degree, I think. Yeah. Um, at least it did for me. And I I discovered music therapy the exact same way by writing a paper. Oh. And uh, I, I finished out my degree in performance and went on to do my equivalency in master's degree. So too funny. Oh, that is really funny. Yeah, yeah. So after you finished your equivalency, then um, what happened? Um. So, well, what's funny is I – thought that I wanted to work with kiddos. Um, and I tailored basically my entire education to work with kids. <laughs> and, um, so then I graduated with my master's degree. Um, and I did contract work for like nine or 10 months. Um, so I was driving all around the DFW area, which is huge and daunting. <laughs> um, and so I would work with kids in their homes, which I, I really loved because that kind of turns into family music therapy. Um, and then my, um, I don't know, my dream job came open at, um, a children's hospital and I, um, um, I was interviewed and then I was turned down by them because I was so green to the profession. And mm. then I volunteered with them <laughs> and then was later hired. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was, I don't know. I fought really hard to get that position. Yeah. And- it sounds like it. Yeah. So then, yeah. So then I was hired. Um, and then I worked there for about two months and I found out I was pregnant. Oh my goodness. My daughter. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of accidentally on purpose. Okay. Well, well, my next question was going to be, yeah. how did you decide when the time was right? So I guess that's, that's um, the answer right there. Yeah, there was no deciding. No, <laughs> it was one of those. I mean, I mean, everybody knows how it happens. Oh, yeah. It was not – I mean, we were just – I thought that um, it would be harder to get pregnant. Like, that had kind of been my family's story. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out, not at all. Not for you, at least. Not at all. <laughs> and so it was one of those, oh, we're doing this now? We're doing this now. Okay. Oh, God. And um, it was um, just – I don't know why it was so shocking and so jarring at the time, but I um, – I had just like everything that I had ever worked for. I, oh my gosh! I yeah, I can't even imagine. I, <laughs> yeah, just starting your career and just really kind of plunging into all that, and then all of a sudden you have this other huge life change happening. Right. I mean, I had planned to work there for probably five years, and then maybe have a child, and then maybe have another one after that. But no, that's not how it worked out. Life had different plans for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So, so did you stay in that position while you were pregnant? I did. And, um, (laughs) um, I learned very quickly that I, I grow babies in kind of a fit of depression and vomit, which I didn't know was a thing. Um, does not sound like fun. It's terrible. And, um, I didn't, I just didn't really know what to expect. And my, um, I had, I think, peripartum depression, I think is what you call it. Mm -hmm. So, um, just really terrible mood changes. And, um, I mean, I throw, I throw up just pretty much every day, um, morning, noon and or night. 
uh, when I'm pregnant. And so, um, I felt really, really bad for my colleagues because like I said, I had fought so hard in this position. And then all of a sudden I was this completely different, totally crazy person that could not get a handle on my physical body. Yeah. Do you mind me asking if you, um, sought help for that, for that depression factor? No, actually at the time I didn't. Um, I didn't really have any other friends who had kids. Um, my sister had had uh, my niece probably eight years before I was pregnant. And then, I mean, I I didn't have any other like mommy friends mm-hmm. or any community at all that could say, yeah, that's kind of, it, it happens. Like it's not all sunshine and roses when you're pregnant and it's going to be exhausting and you're going to hate life sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's some women who are pregnant and it's wonderful. They love their bodies. And it's just not, it's not me. I mean, yeah. I love kids. So I just don't like making them because yeah. So. Right. And I think that a lot of times we just assume that, you know, we're going to have those hormonal changes or whatever the case may be, but that a lot of times, you know, for a lot of women, it's, it's more severe than that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's I- not something that, that people really talk about openly. Exactly. And so, and because I, didn't know anybody. I didn't have anybody that could grab me and be like, Hey, it's going to be okay. And, um, I mean, I was seeing, um, a midwife, uh, for my prenatal care and, um, she was out of town. Like it hits probably about six weeks, eight weeks. Um, and she was in like out of the country and I got her helper assistant Mm-hmm. And I would just call and be like, no, seriously, like I'm dying. What can I do? I just can't, like, I can't get a bed, like, um, just cause I was throwing up all the time and she was super helpful and said things like, well, have you tried ginger? I was like, um, oh, what, are you kidding me? Everybody knows to try ginger. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes, that's, the, that's the first stop. Every which no, way no. you could possibly try the ginger, you know? So right. I think I kind of fell through the cracks in that one too. Um, that I just, you know, I don't know. I needed more help then people realized that I even realized, I guess. So did you ever end up finding anything as far as like battling the physical sickness went? Um, well, in my second pregnancy, which turned out to be just about the same, um, I found out that I could take a Zantac. And so, um, so it's kind of a, uh, I don't know, just like a reflux issue. Yeah. Okay. So the reflux was causing the nausea. Yes. I think. Um, oh, so, cause I didn't start taking it until like the second or third trimester with my second. And then it was like, but I had to remember to take it every single day or yes. else it was curtains. So you were still throwing up and, and getting sick that far into your pregnancy? Oh yeah. No, I, um, I have this thing where, um, like food just doesn't taste good when I'm pregnant. And I don't know if it's a progesterone thing. Cause I've heard from people who've done, um, IVF, uh, that when, they have lots of progesterone, then they kind of have this experience too. Mm-hmm. But when I eat something, it just tastes like I have eaten that and then also eaten some dirt. Oh. It's just kind of this, mm, I don't know, just this, it's just not pleasant. And as soon as I have the baby, like that, the first few meals after that are absolute like sublime. Oh, I bet. <laughs> so everything just tastes so much better. So it's just my individual body chemistry is a little funny. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so I found all the good places to puke in the hospital. I'm sure you did. Well, <laughs> hey, at least you were in a, a good place to, to do that if you had to um, yeah, deal with I that. Guess. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the other things that were hard. Oh, I mean, just, you know, there's lots of walking when you work in a hospital. So yeah. that was kind of, it was good, but also 
I would get home and be like, oh, I should probably be like exercising because I'm pregnant and do, and then I would just like pass out. <laughs> like I would go home and pass out at 6.30 and then wake up at 6.30 the next morning and go back to work. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Well, I canceled my gym membership this second pregnancy, so don't feel too oh, bad. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I always thought that I would be like that yoga mom. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I was totally that that pregnant lady that worked out every day with my first pregnancy. Like wow. 5 a.m. I was at the gym every weekday uh-huh. up until the week I delivered. But this time around with a toddler, it's like I I went to the gym one time right after I found out I was pregnant and I was still in that like super nauseous phase. Mm. but um, I ran into a friend's mom and the whole time I was talking with her, I was like, okay, I'm either going to pass out or I'm going to throw up right in front of you. So I need to go. But I couldn't tell her because I was so early in my pregnancy and nobody knew yet. So it it was like literally that week I called and and, um, put my membership on pause until after the baby was born. So. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, and you're, you know, you're chasing a toddler. That is – that's burning some calories. That's, that's what I'm telling myself at least. <laughs> you are, trust me. Yeah. So were you working with pediatrics in the hospital or were you working with different populations? I was. I was working with pediatrics. Okay. Um, and I was working – I had a bunch of different um, populations. So I saw um, – I co-treated with the NICU babies. Um, I saw cardiac kiddos, so that meant – um, the cardiovascular ICU, and then also the inpatient folks. Um, I was on the trauma service. Uh, let's see, who else did I see? Oh my gosh, like everybody. I saw. I was all over the place. Wow. So I saw lots of lots of kids. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that was an adjustment too. Um, the high stress environment and terminal children when you are pregnant. Yeah, I was gonna say. I I can't <laughs> imagine having the the issues that you were dealing with, and then working with those. Um, high need populations in that same kind of high emotional state realm. Did you yeah. find that your pregnancy and the symptoms you were having were interfering with your ability to to work? Um, I, or affecting it, I guess I should say. I'm trying to think. I think it became more of an issue after um, I had my daughter because um, I kind of I had a traumatic birth with her and ended up with a little bit of post traumatic stress. So it became, it was more difficult then, um, because, because when I was pregnant, I mean, like I had never had children of my own. So, I mean, I could sort of empathize with the parents and there were lots of sad situations. Um, but I could, I mean, I could do their, I could do the work and I could be there with the kids and for the kids and for the families and do what I needed to do. It just didn't really hit my heart the same way until mm-hmm. after I had my daughter. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, you mean, you know, you just, you don't. Oh, absolutely. I would 100% agree. Yeah. Until after I had my daughter. And then I was like, oh, God. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. And I have talked about that with so many of my guests on the show so far. It's like that empathy, that real empathy is not there truly until after you have a child because then something that another child is going through and another parent is dealing with that hits you right in the heart cuz you put yourself in that scenario. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and it turned out um later to be kind of negative triggers for me because I remember, you know, if we were like working in the NICU and 
if there was a mother who had died while giving birth or there was, you know, something, I mean, one of those, you know, freaky situations mm-hmm. that's kind of a one in a million. Um, but it would send me into a panic. Oh yeah. Of you course. Know? So, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was really hard. It was a lot harder than I expected. Um, yeah. so. So it sounds like basically in all facets, your pregnancy was pretty challenging. Oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel like it it was that way with your second pregnancy? Um, so with my second, I had the advantage of being four years, well, I guess three years into um, a community of women. So of course, after I had my daughter, um, I I worked for four months and then I quit. And then that's when I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Oh my God. And I found in our neighborhood that there had been a parent group that had been started probably about a year, year and a half before that. And so there was all these, um, this sweet, small little group of mamas and kids who were already getting together. Um, and so I just like, my daughter was six months old and I started going and making friends. Mm -hmm. Um, so fast forward to when I was pregnant with my son. And, um, I think that just having the support there, um, because the nausea came back and it was terrible. But, um, when I was at the park with my daughter, just trying not to barf on anybody, um, I had a friend that was like, what are you doing for dinner? And I was like, I don't know. I don't, nothing feels good and everything is bad. And I'm supposed to put dinner on the table, but going to the grocery store is awful because I hate food. And she goes, okay, well, I've got, I've got chips and I've got beans. I was like, oh, I have, I have chicken. And she's like, let's make nachos. I was like, yes, let's make nachos. So I had somebody else that could kind of be my brain and hold my child and just be there for me and think the thoughts of self-care that I couldn't do for myself (laughs) sometimes, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, So that was a really big difference. Um, I also was working, when I was pregnant with my son, I was working like two days a week instead of 40 hours a week. So it was, it was easier, um, just kind of mentally and physically, but I had learned so much from when I was pregnant with my daughter about what I needed to do, um, self-care wise. Yeah. So and so having was, that having that support, I feel like is invaluable because when you don't have somebody to turn to or to, you know, kind of lean on or at least be able to tell, you know, this crazy stuff that you're going through, talk about it with another person, it really makes you feel isolated. Yeah, you feel like you're the only person who's ever thrown up on all the things yeah. or who's ever like and yeah, it's yeah, it's terrible. Right. So um, let's let's um go back a little bit to okay. After your daughter was born, your first child, yeah. um, you said that you returned to work. Um, how long of a maternity leave did you take? Oh, um, okay. Well, that was kind of funny and complicated because um, I hadn't been at the place for a year, so I didn't qualify for FEMLA. Oh, wow. Okay. So, But my anniversary date was going to kind of be – in the kind of in the space. Um, but it just wasn't really matching up and there was kind of a lot of miscommunication about it. So I was only going to get like six weeks. Um, and then I ended up having a C-section with my daughter and they were like, Oh, well you can have like eight weeks. And, but they told me that kind of in the middle of my maternity leave. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I think I ended up having eight weeks, eight weeks or 10 weeks or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but I, we didn't really hash it out completely. Like 
I'm going to leave this date and then I'm going to come back this date. And so it made it hard to, um, to, uh, enjoy. I guess. Yeah. I was going to say, cause if you are kind of like un- uncertain about how much time you have, that would be, that would yeah. be hard to just sort of sit back and relax and say, oh, well I have until this date to just sit yeah. and enjoy my baby. Exactly. Well, and something else that complicated the situation, like none of pregnancy or anything was easy. Um, I, my daughter was born at 42 and a half weeks. Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, and like I said, I was with a midwife. So it's yeah. a lot of, um, well, we're just going to wait and see. Well, we're just going to wait and see. Okay. Well now we're going to transfer you to an OB, you know, like. So were you induced at that point or did, did you go into labor on your own? Oh, well, that's a funny story. Um, I was in labor for like 57 hours with my daughter. Um, oh my, my water broke first. I mean, we found out eventually that she was, um, posterior baby. So uh-huh. everything that happened was classic posterior baby um that my water broke first and um and then I sort of started having you know contractions but it wasn't really I don't know like it was it was regular and my doula came over and was like helping me through all the you know contractions I was just laboring at home and then we went to the midwife and it turned out I was only like two centimeters when they thought I was in transition oh wow oh that's frustrating (laughs) <laughs> that that doesn't even touch it, but no. Um, and it was it was confusing and scary. Um, and then um, because my midwife was just like, "Well, just just go home and relax." And I was like, "What do you mean relax? I've got a person inside me that's trying to come out." And um, and I knew that I was since my water had broken that I was kind of on a clock. Yeah, you know. And so um. We, it was just, it was, it was lots of drama. Um, so that was a, probably a Tuesday night. Um, and I labored the rest of the day on like Wednesday. Um, yeah, after, after some really painful back labor and a really gnarly night, um, my, my labor just kind of stopped and, um, we were able to recoup a little bit and rest a little bit, but then, um, uh, things just really didn't get going again the way that they should. And so um, I was admitted to the hospital, I guess, Wednesday afternoon, about three-ish, and they put me on Pitocin. And my doctor actually let me labor over that night too, which if you do that, I'm going to tell you that you will probably hallucinate like I did. Um, It was just – it was insane. I can't Um, even imagine. I can't. I honestly can't. It was crazy. And then uh, my daughter was born via C-section on – Thursday afternoon. So at what point did they decide, were you just not progressing or? Um, I had gotten to like a seven or an eight. Um, and then I think, I think my body was just done and tired. So tired. Yeah. And like I said, she was OP. So she was um, not in the right position and just kind of stuck there and not really yeah. doing anything. And so um, once my, my body just kind of was like, okay, we're, we're done here. I got to eight and I stayed there for several hours. Mm. Um, and then I ended up um, having a C-section and, um, and that was actually not so bad. <laughs> um, really? Yeah. The worst part of it was, um, so I have low blood pressure and again, things you don't learn until, you know, you are in the middle of them. Um, so when they gave me the epidural, my blood pressure dropped out. I think it was like 50 over 30. Oh my gosh. That's and they were like, scary. it was really scary. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, that was that was the worst part. I mean, between that and the recovery, which 
you know, I felt like I had been hit by a truck, but, um, yeah, I mean, the C-section went fine. That was actually the best part of the whole <laughs> ordeal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, that, I just can't even imagine. Wow. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's more to the story. My, my midwife ended up ditching me in the middle of it. And there was, I mean, it was a mess. It was yeah. a really, it was a big mess. And for it to be your first child and your first experience going through all of this, I can't fathom how just scary and overwhelming that must have been. Yeah, it was. So kind of unsurprisingly, I ended up with um, a little, little bit of PTSD and yeah. some postpartum depression. Um, and then and then I went back to work 40 hours a week. So trying to oh, pump and manage all the things and then somehow get dinner on the table. And then when am I going to go grocery shopping? And then what? wait, I have to keep the house clean? Like, wait, it just became... Just too much. I uh, The best way I can describe it is that I felt like I was two steps behind myself and everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. I, I, and I think maybe not to that degree, but I think most new moms feel that way, especially those that return to work and are working that amount. Yeah. That's, that's not easy at all. Yeah. And, and I'm just, I think my lucky stars, and we are incredibly fortunate that, um, so after, uh, so I did go to therapy cause I was at this point I was going to, I have a chiropractor and I was going, you know, and getting adjusted and I would just cry in her office cause my chiropractor was my doula also oh, Okay, and just cry and cry and cry. And so, um, she's like, Hey, you should probably go see this lady. She's a therapist. And then, um, my daughter's pediatrician, I think she was about four months old and he looked at me one day and said, are you okay? And I was like, no. <laughs> And that was the first time somebody had really asked me that, like, yeah. are you, are you doing okay? And I was just like, no, this cannot, this cannot be right. Like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Right. And, and, you, so- and you feel like there's something wrong with you or that you're doing something wrong because you're not feeling the way that you think you should be feeling. Right. Well, and everybody's like, well, you should be, I mean, you should be fine. You ended up with a healthy baby and you're fine. Yeah. So there's, I mean, that's a whole other, like interview that could take four hours, um, about, you know, maternal wellness and mental health regarding the mother and all that. Um, and I had my dream job. So like, what could I possibly have to complain about? And I was just breaking inside. I mean, it was awful. So, um, I was going, I ended up going to therapy every week for a while. And then, um, I ended up on an antidepressant, which really ended up being like, a lifesaver for me. I could could just get my head above water because yeah, you have all those hormonal changes and you just, I mean, you know, people don't really talk about that. Um, there's, there's normal and then there's not normal. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I remember kind of at the same time, I mean, I'm new to my job and trying to go above and beyond and prove that I deserve to be there and all these things. And just really, it was crazy. I was trying to do all the things and it just wasn't working for me. I couldn't take care of myself. And I was having, um, the the kicker was when I um, started having night um, anxiety attacks. So those, um, you basically wake up and think you're dying. Um, so I, I would just wake up um, sweating and screaming and crying and shaking. And oh, and how old was your baby at this point? Probably like three or four months old. Oh. And were you still waking up with her quite a bit? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sleep deprivation on top of all of right, that. Right, right. It's a for complete disaster. Yeah, it was just a big snowball. It sounds like. Yeah, it was. It was not cool. Um, and I, so at the time, I went to go see uh, Wicked. You know, because I had so much spare time. Oh yeah. And um, you know what's the song? I think it's called "Thank Goodness." What it's oh, how does it go? Um, we couldn't be happier. Oh, mm-hmm. you know. So like, oh god, where is it? I'm looking at the lyrics. Oh, okay. Though it is, I admit, the tiniest bit, unlike I anticipated, but I couldn't be happier because getting your dreams, it's dreams, but it seems a little complicated. There's kind of sort of a cost. There's a couple of things that get lost. There are bridges you cross. You didn't know you crossed until you've crossed. And if that joy, that thrill doesn't thrill you like you think that it will. But still with this perfect finale and cheers and ballyhoo, who wouldn't be happier? Because happy is what happens when all your dreams come true, isn't it? that like I saw that and I was like oh that's it wow that's that's, exactly that's the I perfect feel. description and I think that we can all relate no matter what no matter you know if we had a great postpartum experience or not like it's not exactly what you think it's going to be even you know there are the wonderful moments it's still really hard and it's not all sunshine and butterflies yeah um so, yeah, so I just kind of realized, especially in a helping profession, like I couldn't take care of myself and my right. family. And so then I definitely couldn't be taking care of other people. And so um, I just, I quit. <laughs> I put in my two weeks notice and said, I love you guys, but I can't do this. And did you have plans to, to find more part-time work or different environment? Nope. <laughs> I, just, I just quit. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't have any, no, I had no plans because I just didn't know who I was. Yeah. You know, I just, it was kind of a new, a new normal, like things that I thought were going to happen were not happening. And so uh, I just, I just decided to quit and just walk away. And all this time, was your husband like super supportive of you and oh, of making absolutely. that decision? Absolutely. He kept, he, he was, so when I was pregnant, he was like, well, you know, what are the, what's the percentage you're going to want to go back to work? And I was like, oh, 90%. <laughs> and he goes, um, okay, do you want to, you want to know what I think it's going to be? Like, and I was like, no. He was like, I think it's probably 20 or 30. I was like, you're crazy. I've been working so hard for this. And I did all this, my, my education so that this could be my, you know, blah. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. Whatever you say, honey. And yeah. he would tell me repeatedly, he's like, you don't have to do this. Because I would come home and I would just be sobbing. He's like, you don't you don't have to do this. Like, you don't have to do this to yourself like this. And I was like, oh, but I do. And he's like, you really, really don't. <laughs> and it took a long time for me to come to the realization that there was something better out there for me. Yeah. So, but he was wonderfully supported. Yeah, I'm super, I'm super lucky that um, we can, we, I got to take that time um, and just figure out what life was going to look like and that we could just totally um, count on his paycheck and income to get us through. So how long was it before you did return to work? Um, it was about two years. Okay. Okay. Um, and so in that time, um, I built um, the community and the village, you know, everybody says it takes a village, but they don't really tell you that you have to find your village and build it yourself. (laughs) So, um, so I mentioned my neighborhood group, um, that I just started 
being a friend and looking for friends. And we had um, regular play dates uh, scheduled. I think they were on Wednesdays in the afternoon and um, just showing up every single week to those. <laughs> and um, I also started doing stroller strides and met some other mamas that way. And then I eventually joined a, a mothers of preschoolers group at my church. Um, and so just kind of dug in and found some friends and then some mamas with kids. And, um, those are some of my, my best friends now, uh, which is great because we can just walk to each other's houses, which is, that's really nice. So nice. Yeah. And we'll, we like make dinners for each other and, um, we have play dates and then we'll order pizza and then, you know, we'll just, we just raise each other's kids together. Like, I don't know, old school, (laughs) like, 1950s style. Um, and, um, yeah, we have a, a really wonderful community, the level of trust that we have, um, that we just, we love each other and each other's, um, kids, like they were our own. Um, I think it's, it's really, I think it's rare. Um, and, but we, we totally lucked out. Yeah. Yeah. You don't hear about situations like that really often now. So that's really, um, really wonderful. Yeah. So, um, so I had so the whole time in this two years, I mean, I, I met another mom just randomly and who came from a dance background. And so we did, um, a, a little class like mommy and me class called rhythm and rhyme. Um, and I would kind of interject little music therapy moments and had the kids playing with instruments and, um, but it wasn't, you know, super official. Um, and then, you know, that kind of died off for, a while. And then I had some unfinished writing that I had wanted to do and, you know, publishing, whatever things, um, that it was kind of always in the back of my head, but I just could not (laughs) find the time when I had one child and I thought I was so busy anyway. Um, so I was like, Oh, well, I'll get back into it. I'll get back into it. And, um, then finally, um, I decided that I was just going to walk away entirely. Um, but DeForia Lane was going to come and speak at a nearby hospital. And I was like, well, I'll go, I'll go see her. She's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, so I went to go see her and then I stopped to go get lunch and literally like, it's just, I don't know, the universe again. Um, I got a phone call from the place that I work now saying, Hey, we need a music therapist with a flexible schedule. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, and there was just, uh, I'm, I'm really thankful that I had kept up with my music therapy community. So I knew, I mean, just, you know, little and in, in, in best as I possibly could. Um, Cause I don't think I was even an AMTM member for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had just, it had come from just people that I knew and who knew me and my situation. And um, yeah, I just lucked out, like seriously lucked out because the, and my boss said, okay, well, yeah, we'd really like you to be a music therapist. What schedule works for you and your family? And I was oh, like, my gosh. what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Are you crazy? Like, and, um, and my daughter had never been in childcare. So I, um, I found her like a mother's day out. Um, and she went, you know, we tried it one day a week for a while and then she did it for two days a week. And so those are the hours that I worked for the longest time until my son was born. That is the ideal situation right there. Yeah. Well, and it was one of those things that I was like, oh, well, I, 
especially going from, well, I guess I'm just going to walk away entirely. I'll sell my music therapy books. Like this was fun, but, uh." and, um, for that to kind of pop up out of nowhere, I just kind of couldn't say no. No, you can't say no to something like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So is that where you are now working? Uh-huh. And now <laughs> um, I work with adults, actually. No uh, I work with adults and, in a cancer setting. Um, so I work with um, bone marrow transplant patients, um, and I love it. <laughs> So did you did you feel like you were kind of starting over again after being in the pediatric setting for so long? I, I did, and I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, uh, as I do. Um, it's just, it surprised me. Um, our skills are really transferable, which everybody tells you that, but you don't really believe it until you're in the middle of it. Right. Um, and um, adults just like really good music. I mean, the average age of a cancer diagnosis is like 63. Uh-huh. And so I play a lot of the Beatles and John Denver. And, you know, it's rare that I get in somebody that loves, you know, Coldplay, but I mean, okay, awesome. Um, yeah. So I just, you just, it's really, it's stretched me as a musician to work with adults more, you know, more so I think than when I worked with kids, which I love working with kids too. And that stretched me too, but it's just kind of in a different way. And I like it. It's kind of, I feel like it's rounding me out as a music therapist. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I love to hear that. And that, that kind of change is possible, you know, even amidst raising a child and having all of these other things going on in your life to be able to make that career change. I mean, it's still music therapy, but it's a completely different population is, Mm -hmm. that's really neat. Yeah, and that's what I love about our profession, that we can – I mean, the opportunities are out there to make it, I mean, whatever you want it to be. Like, we don't have to fit into this, you know, eight to five, Monday through Friday, every single day, you know, yeah. that we can just – we can tailor it. We just have to know how to do that, I guess. I don't know. Or ask the questions or just be open to having that come to us, you know. I don't know. Exactly. So once your son was born, did mm-hmm. it did it cause any um, further challenges for you to to balance that working piece with with being a mom? Um, yes. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm curious to hear this, obviously, because my second one is on the way, and so yeah, I always I always um, look for <laughs> advice to pick up from other moms who have been there and have been able to make it work? Yeah. I think the most complicated um, part of it is figuring out childcare. Yeah. Um, and especially when you start looking at the prices of childcare for two children. Yes. And and then preschools aren't really flexible. Like, um, you know, you can either go this day or this day or this right. day and this day and this day. And so um, like right now I'm working – I just work on Wednesdays uh, and I have been working – like full day Wednesdays. Um, but then I realized for my daughter, who's four, she's kind of <laughs> giving our babysitter a run for her money. <laughs> oh, no. And so I'm like, well, okay, is this the right situation for her right now? Like, should I maybe cut down my hours a little bit just to provide a little bit more structure? Because my son is, I mean, you know, whatever, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just trying to make it so that like Wednesday nights aren't so crazy and filled with screaming <sighs> you know it's just yeah the childcare thing it's just but I really you know I would switch to Tuesday Thursday but I really like the patients and the doctors that I'm working with on Wednesdays 
you know, and so right. I don't want to change that, but would that be better for my family? Like just kind of balancing. It's just, I've decided that there's no such thing as like balance at all. There's um, my husband's workplace. They talk about the work-life wobble. Oh, I haven't like, heard like, that one, but I like it. Yeah. Like you are never going to balance. It's never going to be this perfect, you know, tightrope walk that you get it. I mean, it's always, it's always, if you look at tightrope walkers, like up close, they're never still and balancing. They're always wobbling back and forth. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's no such thing as balance. And we, if we're going to try to break ourselves and have to find the balance, we never will. We just have to realize that sometimes it's going to be better than others. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, that childcare piece. Well, I have for me is the biggest just struggle. I think that's that's my biggest issue as well because I'm in private practice and I yeah. was able to be home during the day with my son every day and then I would go to work mm-hmm. in the afternoons and um, he would have a babysitter come up until he was 18 months old. So he never went okay. to daycare or anything until he was a year and a half. And I would love to do that for my daughter as well, but you know, now I'm working more and I'm taking on resp- more responsibilities through my business and it's <laughs> – I'm just wondering, okay, how in the heck am I going to make that work? So, Yeah, I was just – I was just talking to another mom about this and, um, and I think – so she – so what she said to me was that we have to decide, you know, what are really good ideas and then what are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities and – Right now, our little ones, like those are once in a lifetime opportunities. So especially moving from like one to two, I think with one, you're like, oh yeah, I got this. I know how to do this. I can say yes to these things. I can say no to these things. But like, and when, you know, when number two comes along, I've got this figured out. Like I can mother, I can keep somebody alive for at least this long (laughs) as supported by this evidence right here. Um, But then I forgot that it's bringing another person, a completely different person with this whole other set of expectations and desires and sleep schedules and food preferences into our family, which is a pretty big disruption. (laughs) And so you have to kind of figure all that stuff out again. And so, um, I don't know, it just adds more to the plate and you're kind of already doing the thing. So you have to get a little just more kind of slash and burn with, okay, I'm going to say no to these things so that I can say yes to this and whatever it is, whether it's personal or professional, like you got to, it gets real. Yeah. <laughs> it comes no, I'm, I'm sharper to focus, but those decisions, those decisions are a lot easier the second time around because you know what the outcomes are going to be. Right. Right. You know, I'm glad that you said that though, because I, I do sort of have in my mind this voice that's saying, oh, well, you know, you've done it before, so, you know, it shouldn't be that hard, especially in the baby phase where, you know, they're not as demanding in the same way that older children are. They have their own challenges, obviously, mm-hmm. but, um, but you're right. It is, it is a different baby and it is a different experience. And when I look back in five years or 10 years or 20 years, am I going to remember that, that extra class that I took on and, you know, left yeah. my child behind or, Am I going to remember that time that I spent, you know, raising my baby? So Right, right. Yeah, well, and that was that was another thing that made it easy to walk away from my first job was that I think my my daughter had started crawling and I wasn't there. Yeah. And I was just like, "Oh." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, yep. And I totally expected to just be like, "Oh, well, whatever. She'll go to daycare. It'll be fine." And it I I wasn't expecting to I guess like being a mom as much as I do. Yes, so weird. Um, no, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So, yeah. 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 Again, one of those things where you don't know until you're in it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So what are some of the fulfilling aspects of working while raising kids? Um, uh, right now, the, the thing that tickles me the most is that my daughter is comprehending that I go to a hospital and I play music with people. And so when she talks about what she wants to be when she grows up, she wants to be a music therapist. And, oh, that's so cute. Or she'll pull like the ukulele or the guitar and she's like, okay, we're going to play music therapy. And she wants to like, <laughs> she wants to know all the things about what I do and how I do it. And, um, and so that's been really cool. Um, I'm also, I think I'm an undiagnosed, like ADD, honestly. So um, I think I got like a system upgrade with my second child that uh, in my brain um, because it's easier for me to organize my time. And well, my, you're kind of forced into it, right? You're totally forced into <laughs> it. Like, and I always say like, what did I ever complain about when I had one child? When I was like, oh my God, my life is so hard. Oh my gosh, don't tell me that. Because <laughs> oh. I, I say the same thing about what did I complain about before I had kids? <laughs> oh, get ready. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> because, I mean, it gets exponentially more insane. And I was just like, what did I ever complain about? I had all this time. I could do what I wanted. And now uh, I just have to eke out like, you know, personal time. And usually it's like in the shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to just think my own thoughts quietly. And that doesn't happen on a daily basis either. <laughs> and, you know, people say, oh, well, just wake up earlier. Just wake up at 5. Wake up at 5.30. Well, like, if you're not sleeping, like, that's stupid. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't solve anything. No. And so I would love to have, you know, a cup of coffee or a cup of tea in the morning. But I live with two other people who, I mean, my son is not like this. He's like me, that he likes to sleep in and snuggle bug in the morning. But two other people, my husband and my daughter, just wake up like a shot oh. at like 5.45, 6 o'clock in the morning. And it's like, mom, 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 I'm hungry. Can I have this for breakfast? Can I have this for breakfast? Are we going to do this today? Are we going to do this today? Are we going to do this? Today? And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I, yeah. Um, so I have to, actually listening to your podcast um, that you did with Janice was super inspiring because when she was talking about how she only has 15 minutes to write a blog. So she better get some work done. Like that made me really go, yeah, okay. Well, if I could just focus myself for 15 minutes, if I know that that is the only time that I'm going to have to do X, then I'm going to do my best to make that happen and to also do my best work during that little chunk of time. Um, So I find that that's, it's a lot easier with the second one, just because you know how precious your time is. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Good. Anything else fulfilling? Um, I I just love I just love music therapy. So just going, I mean, just going and um, doing the work that I know that I was made to do. Yeah. <laughs> and to have the opportunity. Well, and also, I mean, being a mother is the same way. Like, I didn't know I was made to do that, but hey, guess what? I'm pretty good at it. Um, that I get to do that. I get to kind of do both, and I get to balance both. So I get to go and write songs and help people get through what they're going through um, at this, you know, really crazy time in their life. Um, So I feel like I'm contributing and also helping paying off my student loans at the same time. Um, So that's really satisfying. I mean, I just like, I don't know, I love being a music therapist. And so um, getting to do that just a little bit and still feel like it connects me to myself and my musical self and, you know, what we do is just awesome. And yeah, so, absolutely. um, 
and using all the skills that I was trained in. I mean, I would tell my husband, like, I don't have my master's degree in motherhood, like in the early years. Um, but I, I do know, I do know how to do this. Like even on the days when my child is throwing herself on the floor, I'm like, Oh, I don't know how to do this, but I do know how to facilitate, you know, music assisted relaxation with somebody and I can do that. Yes. So I don't know. It just makes me feel like, I don't know. I just like, I like what I do. Yeah. And you, you really do have the best of both worlds being able to, to keep that muscle strong, but to also have that time with your children while they're still so young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've talked a little bit about self-care as far as the community that you've built in your neighborhood. Are there any other things that you do to kind of take care of yourself? In <laughs> and all spare time? Yeah, um, right. Let's see. Uh, the theme that really comes up for this is um, just to simplify. Um, so, and that has meant for me, um, like, decluttering my house. So that, and that's been, like, a really interesting kind of self-care way um, because I hate cleaning. And so, <laughs> but if I have less things in my house, I don't have to organize and clean all the things. That's right. Um, so... Uh, so that's been really good. So I've been reading like, um, the becoming minimalist blog by Joshua Becker and, um, just kind of learning about decluttering the physical aspect, which has helped me declutter my brain. And, um, I mean, I have, um, I like to run, (laughs) uh, I don't really get to go out and do it as much, but, um, so I try to run like three times a week, um, we were, we were community gardening and I love, um, gardening and growing vegetables and things, but we actually had to let that go because we have two kids now and one of them screams in the car all the time. And so just getting to the community garden has kind of been not worth it. (laughs) It's one of those things that I'm like, well, we'll just do that later. We're not going to do it now. Pick your battles. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I'm an, I'm an, outgoing introvert and I think I had so where previously I had um made lots of friends really easily I think I've kind of hit a friend quota and I need to (laughs) be cognizant of that so just kind of you know spending my time wisely with the people that I know are going to be fulfilling to me so it means cutting down on like personal drama cutting down on family drama that sort of thing just kind of prioritizing my microcosm yeah and um just finding joy I'm I was not a super like homebody before I had kids and even after I had my daughter I was like oh I can still go out and we can go have you know go see live music and go out and have drinks and now I'm just like I it sounds so lame to my 18 year old self but I'm like I would really rather stay home I would really rather just make some food with my family and sit around at the dinner table and laugh and just be content and be happy here. Yeah. Yeah. So, I feel like uh, that now. So imagine <laughs> what they have to. like 17 steps ahead of me. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. It does. Like to simplify and just let, I don't know, just let, just live a simple life. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I, I tried to be super crafty queen, also, and there's all these, like I said, things that I could, that are good ideas that I could do if I tried really hard, but I just find that I have so little time or just bandwidth to put yeah. in any direction at any given time. So I feel like I have 
learn to do fewer things but do those things better. Yes. I feel like the more streamlined my life is, the happier I am as a person and the more functional I am as a mom, as a music therapist, as all of the above. Right. And so, I mean, so the things that I I do for myself um, just kind of fit into either music therapy world or home world. So, I mean, I like finding new recipes and um, my husband and I love to cook together and we love to do like, um, we love to go to the farmer's market and get a ton of like berries and make jam or make jellies or we um, make, we made a whole lot of pickles last year. Um, so just kind of trying out new recipes and canning things, um, or having my daughter try new recipes. Um, she's starting to really like to cook. Um, oh, and we also have chickens. So um, in our backyard. So we, um, you know, built a chicken coop and now we get eggs. And so trying to figure out the, how to eat as many eggs as our chickens (laughs) give us. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit of doing like home renovation things and then, I don't know, it's just, and then just really digging into the community and the friendships that are already there, just kind of being there for people and letting people be there for us. I mean, it sounds so boring. No, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It sounds wonderful. Um, and I mean, as much as I love like going out and um, seeing live music and stuff, uh, that costs money in babysitters. That's and right. I mean, we live in Dallas, so it's, you can't go anywhere without it being like $12 for a drink. And yeah. so, I mean, and then you go out and you get back at what, like midnight, maybe. Um, and then without fail, your children will wake up at two o'clock and then <laughs> and at six o'clock and then you're wrecked the next day. So I don't know. It's all about wobbling. And yes. figuring out what is worth it and what is not. Because this is such a short season. I feel like I'm going to blink. You know, in a year and a half, I'm going to have a kindergartner already. And I know it's going to go by really quickly with my son, too. And so I just, you know, I, I just want to be here and see them and enjoy this without going in a million different directions. And that brings happiness to me now, which, I again, I didn't think it was going to. But Yeah. Well, you your experiences with motherhood and with with being a working mom I feel like have sort of spanned the spanned every everything um you really have kind of had every experience and um so what advice would you give to fellow music therapists who are thinking about starting a family or are in the thick of it right now um <laughs> I I just keep telling people to keep lowering the bar of expectations and that's Uh kind of my coping skill um yeah just keep lowering the bar and just keep giving yourself grace and ask for help and find the community because I guarantee you that there's another mom probably next door to you thinking the same thoughts and like what am I gonna do for dinner and what am I gonna do like my child is screaming for no reason like how can I I just like find that community and take the time to get plugged into it because it's there. You just have to, you just have to build it and you have to find it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's excellent advice because I, like I was saying earlier, when you know that somebody else is kind of going through what you're going through, it just makes life a lot more bearable because you know that you're not alone. Yeah. Absolutely. And just, um, and it's okay. I mean, the beauty of our profession is that it is, it's always going to be there. Exactly. And whether, and especially with all the wonderful press that we've been getting, um, there's going to be people looking for music therapists 
in whatever capacity they can find them. And so you don't have to like lock yourself into one, you know, population or one workplace or, you know, you just, we get to be very creative with how and where and why we work. So um, we just need to be able to be open to those things. Yeah. And I feel like there's only going to be more of those opportunities as the profession gets even more publicity and more known throughout the country. So yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Well, do you have any music therapy related projects or news that you'd like to share? Um, yeah. So kind of out of the um, experiences that I had when I was working, um, I realized basically that I was just burned out. <laughs> I was trying to do too much. Um, and so my friends and I have gotten together um, and we're with the Southwestern region and our um, regional conference is coming up at the end of March. And um, so myself and Alyssa Carver and Amanda Sayre, who are music therapists, but also dual majors in counseling, um, we are providing a five-hour CMTE on burnout. Oh, that's awesome. I wish I was going. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and that's open and available. If anybody wants to take our class, um, we are going to, we're going to talk about uh, the signs and symptoms of burnout and how it affects your personal and professional life. And then we're going to provide a whole bunch of really uh, fun and interesting ways to mitigate it. And we're, I mean, we have five hours to do that. So we're going to kind of dig deep into it and hopefully help people find ways to um, identify burnout and then what to do with it when you realize you're in the middle of it. I think that is such an important topic for our profession because there are so many women and women that are choosing to start families and are overwhelmed with, you know, just everything and have had some similar experiences to what you were talking about. And there just can never be enough resources on that. So that's fantastic. Yeah, we're really excited about teaching it. Very cool. Are you going to make any of those materials available online or anything like that after the conference? Oh, um, we probably can. Yeah, I think that a lot of people <laughs> would would be interested in that. So yeah. keep me posted and I'll, I'll definitely share that with with the listeners. Oh yeah, that would be great. Awesome. And one last question for you, Christina, do you have any favorite products or books or resources related to either music therapy or motherhood or both? Um, let's see. Well, in the, in the motherhood realm, um, I feel like I have two. Um, I started reading Jen Hatmaker, um, kind of her blogs and her books, and she has a devotional book that is um hilarious it's called out of the spin cycle um and it's really good they just have like short little just motherhood stories that'll make you laugh (laughs) um and you know since we don't have a lot of time to uh find those little self-care it's just I mean it is just making me uh giggle about oh somebody else has had these experiences so those and it was a good one thing I could read like while I was brushing my teeth in the morning so um so that was really good and then also um just ergo especially if you're going from one baby to two babies and some sort of baby wearing device Mm -hmm. absolutely indispensable (laughs) And, and share that little tip that you gave me before we started recording about ergos and where you can oh, find them. Yeah, you can find them at um, Marshall's or you can find them at um, TJ Maxx, that sort of place, for probably half of what you're going to find them brand new online. So you just have to look. Yeah, and I will be doing that <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And then any other um, music therapy-related resources? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. 
Uh, right now, I am just trying to um, learn as many songs as I can. So actually, I was on your website. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, look, just looking at, I'm trying to um, build my repertoire because I um, I have a I have an iPad and I use OnSong for my um, for my book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just trying to go through, and um, so I guess OnSong is really great. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, um, and like I said, so I work with adults, so I don't have like, you know, lots of flashy apps or anything like that, but, um, that's really been helping me, um, in my music therapy world. And I, um, let's see, I also use Spotify, uh, in the hospital with my folks. Um, I'm trying to think music therapy wise. Yeah. OnSong is probably the best. Yeah. I've, I've heard wonderful things about it and I haven't used it too much myself, but I think it's actually on my iPad, so maybe oh. one of these days I'll actually check it out. Yeah, well, and it's really it's really great. It does more than I have a. I've had enough time to explore what it does, but um, when I had another music therapist with me, um, uh, working with me, we could just beam songs back and forth to each other. Oh, that's over cool. Bluetooth. So that was cool. So we could song share because um, she had come from a completely different like part of the country. Uh-huh. Um, and so she had a different repertoire than I did. And so we could just song share and play things back and forth. Um, so that was really good. And it does a whole bunch of other things, but I don't know what they all are because I don't have time to play with the app. I just have time to pull up my songs and oh, it organizes them really well. So I can have like 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s songs, or then I can have country and I can have, you know, it just categorizes it all for you which is really, really nice. And can you upload your own songs and materials to that mm-hmm. app? Okay. Yeah, you can. You can just um, – yeah, it's That's great. That's cool. That's very cool. Awesome. Good to know. Well, thank you, Christina, so much for being on the show. And um, I really appreciate you being so honest and sharing all of your experiences with us. It's been really great talking to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Christina a message – you can contact her via email, cstock.mtbc at gmail.com. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at listenlearnmusic.com slash podcast. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a review on iTunes. I'll talk to you again next week.